Welcome to the Small Business Surgeon Podcast, the show where we dissect the businesses of top producers, examine their growth strategies, and share with you the bare bones of their success. I am your host, Samuel Smith, and I'm glad you're here. Let's operate. Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to this week's episode of the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. Guys, I'm super happy to bring you this guest. He's actually my first recording of the new year of 2022, and he's somebody that has uh, crossed paths in my circles quite a few times over the last 12 months. He is an absolutely outstanding gentleman. He's a best-selling author. The book is called Fearless Happiness. Please welcome to the show, Max Naist. Max, welcome. Hey, Sam, thank you for having me. Dude, I'm so glad you're here, man. I've been trying to get you on here for uh, the best part of all of last year, so it's, uh, it's good for you to show up, dude. Um, I know. Thank you for having me. My honor. It, what does it feel like being an author, man? Tell me about that. You know, that's a, that's a great question, because at first, you know, I was like, <laughs> like how do I answer that, right? I, because here, I'll give you a little background, Sam. So yeah, yeah, I've been sure. clean and sober for 18, over 18 years, going into year 19, right? So my book is about my journey from active addiction into recovery and, and the principles that I live by that help me stay sober, if, mm. you, if you will. So when I wrote that book... I had started it a long time ago with one of the gentlemen that you know very well. We both know very well, Chris Whitehead. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He, and um, I remember he was going through a rough time, you know, and I was the great procrastinator back then, but he took time out of his busy day, you know, and uh, we did my outline. And then, you know, I other things became more important for me, right? right? right. A girl or whatever, you know what I mean? And so... <laughs> almost 10 years would go by before I would revisit that book. And um, so what happened is five years ago, I would lose my, my sister and then I would lose my brother oh, to wow. suicide. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was on my way to Minnesota and I was going through school and I reached out to Chris. I said, I need to finish this book. And him and Lonnie and I got together. We got a game plan together and then, I met with Brian K. Wright, who also I've known for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah, I like Brian. Yeah, yeah. and so I wrote that book as a, like a, a way to heal for me because, you know, little did I know I would lose my mom six months after my brother would pass away on Thanksgiving Day. And it was just like I needed an outlet, right? And, and just something to keep me on track. Um, to be honest, did I write it because I was going to be a best-selling author? No, I wrote it because it was very cathartic for me to write out all the stuff I had oh, done before yeah. I got sober and then all the good things that happened after I got sober. And, and for example, like one of the greatest gifts I ever gave my well, there was two gifts, or one mainly for her. Mm -hmm. And I always tell my friends and they are people or when I speak is um, for 14 years, I was able to let my mom sleep put her head on a pillow and go to sleep without having to worry, you know, is my son in prison? Is my son right. in the hospital? Is he on the streets? <laughs> right. Cause I, I mean, I, I, I went to the bottom as, uh, as far as I could get to the bottom without dying, if you know what I mean, in my active addiction. And then I remember two weeks before she passed, uh, Monday nights were my time to, to spend with my mother. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were watching a show together and she was rubbing my leg and she's like, she looked at me and she says, Max, I want to thank you for your 13 years of sobriety, you know, and I still get choked up because that's a gift that I got. Like, I didn't even realize I was giving her. And then, you know, she would tell me that God answered my prayer. So thank you. But at the time, you know, I had 14 years of sobriety. I wanted to correct her, but I didn't, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's, I wrote the book because if I could help one person, whether they were in active addiction or struggling with PTSD, struggling with depression, anxiety, mm -hmm. which I suffer from depression, you know, then I would have done my job. And I've had, you know, the, the pleasure and I don't know how you would say it, but I've had the blessing of like, I had this lady call, uh, message me on Facebook and said, Hey, you know, your book helped save my son. He actually got out of prison. I haven't heard from him since, but she said, you saved his life and you've actually educated me on how this addiction works right so i kind of understand it better and i got this long message from her some lady in arkansas because some guy had bought a bunch of my books and started putting them in the prisons out there isn't that what it's about though man you know, yeah just... you know and little did i think you know that that would happen if you would have asked me 18 years ago you know if so, sam would have go ahead when i because like i'm four and a half years sober now 
Um, but when I first turned around into sobriety, you know, I had a, I didn't think I really had a drinking problem. I mean, deep down, I knew I had one. And if, if you take the amount right. of alcohol I was consuming, um, <laughs> looking from the outside in, you would say that there was a drinking problem there. But did you believe you had a drinking problem 18 years ago? Was, was there some kind of catalyst that made you quit? Because I'm looking to find the key here that helps unlock the door for guys that are listening that, that think, hey, maybe I do drink a bit too much, but I don't have a problem, man. Was there a catalyst for you that, that, that started you on that road to recovery? Yeah, actually there was, right? So like you say, when we're in it, right? Like we don't, I don't have a problem. Like I'm not affecting anybody. I'm drinking, right? right? Or I'm using like, um, you know, and, and the fact that I was becoming homeless, right? Losing jobs left and right. Couldn't keep a job because doing drugs and alcohol were more important. I'd always said but it was bad certainly luck. more fun than going to a job <laughs> right right you know and you know and you taste a little you know okay let me put it this way and and by no by no means am i a, a gangster or anything right but when right. you're running the streets and you're hanging out with people like that you know and you get a little bit of power you it, it, that's kind of a drug in itself right and i'd always attribute my arrest to bad luck right you know there was bad luck <laughs> i was in the wrong place at the wrong time it was my mom's fault it was my dad's fault who passed away a lot when i was young um the catalyst for me and i'll get to is when i was in jail the last time i was looking at three years in prison and that's not what scared me right but it was the first visit i got from my mother and she looked at me picked up the phone we're looking at each other from across the glass and she says i love you son but you're no longer welcome in my home if you come near my home, I will call the police. And if my neighbors see you and I'm not there, they will call the police. So um, what are you going to do? Dude, there's something about moms, isn't there? You know what? It, it was my mom and my little brother growing up, right? She was a single mother. She was tough. She had a great work ethic. I mean, she, we never, ever lived in an apartment. As long as I can remember when I was young, from the time I left house, we always lived in a home, right? She always provided a house for us. And, everything we needed three square meals a day you know cool yeah. clothes all the all the stuff that we needed and um you don't realize that till later you know like how hard she worked and you're right there's something about mothers that like i don't mess with moms right i have a wife who's a mother you know and yeah yeah yeah. I, I, you know what i mean if they give you that certain look you just kind of go okay honey whatever you need you know what i mean i'll do whatever you want like you know i've i've got I've got kids that I'm sober for, and I've got businesses now that I'm sober for, but my sobriety journey started with my mom, you know, and you know, she said to me, she whispered in my ear when no one else heard it, she whispered, sort your fucking life out. Like, yeah. and at the time, 63-year-old woman, I mean, you know, my dad and my brothers and stuff, we swear all the time and cut up, it's part of the vernacular, but if, ooh, right. for, for a 63-year-old lady to, to say that, the, the oh, mom yeah. was, it was the trigger. It was, yeah. it was like, well, shit, I, I can't disappoint my mom. So it's, it's interesting. We've had like super similar triggers for sobriety. You, yours just coming quite a few years earlier than mine. Yeah. And you know, it just, yeah. Like, I don't know, like you're right. It's just something about moms, right? Like I tried never to cuss in front of mom. Cause no, if I no, did, you'd no. get that look, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I mean, my I mom know, was about, I know she my listens mom was to my show, but I hope she doesn't hear the swearing, you know? <laughs> <laughs> exactly you know and my mom was five foot nothing but she scared everybody in the room that she was pissed off i don't care how big you were uh you know and i share a story one time i shared a story where i was like 13 maybe 14 right and i thought i'm gonna be a big bad dude i'm gonna talk back to my mom in front of my friends and i'm gonna show them like i'm a tough guy right so when did you wake well, up exactly well as she was beating my butt right and holding me by my ear she looked at my friends anybody next and they're all running down the block see you next you're on did your she, own dude. did she take a did she take a shoe off Oh, dude, she's, I've had wooden spoons, the shoe. Oh, yeah, you know, you it's know, so all of funny, it. you know, because I don't I don't spank my kids at all. Like sometimes the dad voice comes out, but like I don't we, like we don't spank our kids at all. And yet, man, the number of times I got whooped for something and I remembered never to do it again. You know? Yeah, mom, <laughs> my mom played mom and dad. So, yeah, she could get she could get pretty tough, Um, you know, but it was a uh, watch, you know, it was just knowing where I was going after I realized that that call right there, you know, like sitting at her and then telling her, I don't know, watching her cry. And I'm like, why you get to, why are you crying? I go, I got to go back to a cell. You get to go home. And she's like, that's the best answer you ever gave me. And you know, when you have that moment, like, mm -hmm. 
good. I don't know everything. Like I got to figure this out. You know, little did I know I would, you know, get and stay sober after a few, you know, relapses later. Yeah. yeah. But uh, it took what it took. And, and, you know, but this journey has made me realize like even our journey, like you said, and our entrepreneurship, right. Running Mm -hmm. businesses and like, it's kind of similar, right. If we don't do the work to stay sober, right. We're going to lose it. Correct. If we don't do the work to keep our businesses, right. We don't have like what they say, the SOPs in place and, (laughs) and all that stuff, right. We're going to lose it, you know, and I'm new to the entrepreneur game, but um, you know what I'm learning. It's very similar to my recovery. If I continue to do the work, good Mm -hmm. things happen. Right. Even though when bumps in the road, but if I sit back and, and expect people to do things for me, or, you know, I think it's, I deserve this, then that's when things go sideways and, you know, and, and it's, you know, been a pleasure because I get to meet guys like you and, you know, hear your stories, you know, over Facebook and in the groups we run with, you know, mm-hmm. in Apex and it, it gives me hope to go, you know, if I'm on the right path, I just got to keep going. Well, that, that's why I do it. I do it because there's, there's guys behind me that are still drunk. And yet there's guys in front of me like you that set just shining examples. And I feel like I'm right in the middle. I get to, I get to learn from the guys ahead of me and I get to pull the guys behind me along. It's, it's, it's such a good fit for me because I, I get to receive and give at the same time, you know? Absolutely. Great. And so. that's what we do. You know what I mean? Whether we're doing it in our businesses or in our recovery, right? We always look back to see who we can pull up to, you know, pull up alongside us. Because here, I want to teach you one thing that I learned that was very important to me. And this is what you guys have shown me, like the guys that are ahead of me in business, right? At least the circles we run in, right? And it's the same for my recovery. What I was taught by my mentors is that we do this side by side together. No one walks in front. No one walks in back. We mm-hmm. just kind of go and help each other out. And, you know, not only has that helped me in my recovery, but now I'm learning and things are catching on and creating my business on what I got to do and, you know, all that good stuff that goes with it. So it's, I, I feel really good this year going into this year, better than any other year, you know, even though I'm not where I want to be, but I know if I continue doing what I got to do, things are going to take off. Yeah, so. I feel the same way, man. It's because you can see the road. It's because you can see the path ahead of you and you, you know, guys further down the path and they're saying, Hey, come on, come this way, dude. I, I love it. Absolutely. So what would you say your biggest, and again, I don't want to throw you under the bus or put you on a spot too bad here. <laughs> What's the biggest takeaway from being sober, man? Oh my God. I, I that's, know, a great, I know. that's a great question. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but I, I'll just be honest with you. Like my biggest takeaway changes every year, right? Cause there's mm-hmm. something I learned. I, I learned something new every year yeah. about myself, about the people around me. Like for instance, so like if, if Sam, you would have asked me, Hey, Max, you know, or told me you're going to own a home. You're going to, you know, you're going to be doing this and that. I would have said like, Sam, whatever you're drinking, pass my way. Cause there's, <laughs> that must be really, really good. Right. Cause yeah. I had doubted myself for, so like for me, it, it's just, I feel like a kid again at 53, if you get what I'm saying, cause I get to do interviews with you like this on a podcast. I have my own podcast, right. I wrote a book. I feel like I'm a kid in a candy store. Like everything is new to me and, you know, the people I'm meeting are like second to none. You know what I mean? Like people that truly like yourself love to help other people succeed. Right. And you know who I'm talking about, Chris. Oh, yeah, yeah. And Ryan and, and stuff like that. All the guys we run with are super, super helpful. And, you know, I want to kind of pivot here a little bit. And talk about your book, um, Fearless Happiness. And I, by the way, I love the way you spelled happiness in the title. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. Um, tell us a little bit about the contents of the book and the message that you're tossing out and the message that you're getting across. All right. So the message that I, I'm getting across, even though there's the 12 steps, right? So I, I don't want people to think, oh, he's writing a book about the 12 steps. See, now um, I never did the 12 steps. So I would be interested in your book regardless i mean not not everybody's read that that 12 step thing right right so that's why i wrote the book and i wrote it in what they you know as they say layman's terms right so that they can see this the principles actually behind those steps right which anyone can use it doesn't matter if you're an addiction or not um because even the big book of alcoholics anonymous it says these these steps could benefit anybody you know Mm -hmm. whether they're sober or not in you know whatever so i wrote it in a way so that people could say wow this guy got through that he used this principle 
You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I could do that too. Or he he got through the deaths of his loved ones using all these principles, and he didn't even think about drinking or mm -hmm. using, right? Because when I found out about my brother, I was in Denver, Colorado, on my way to Minnesota, you know, and I'm miles and miles and miles away from Orange County, where my recovery community is, and you know, I have my family, everybody I've left them behind, and I I get a call from my oldest brother that my brother had hung himself. Oh goodness. You know what I mean? So it could have been an easy way for me to tell my ex at the time. I said, Hey, you know, just go to the room. I'm going to go get something to drink for us or whatever. And I'll be back mm -hmm. because you know, all I have to do is go to the local dive bar. I'm going to find not only what I want to drink, but I'm going to find drugs eventually because that oh, radar course, yeah. will go on. You know what I mean? And um, just walk in and say, who has drugs for sale? I mean, it's, right. it's, it's so when, when, <laughs> I think it was Noel or Liam Gallagher came out in the British press in the mid nineties and said, everybody does drugs. It's like drinking a cup of tea. They absolutely crucified him. And yet I, I think he was telling the truth, man. You know, it's, right. it's, they're, they're not difficult to get. It's so easy to relapse back into that, man, I'm feeling bad. I'm feeling terrible. I'm going to go drown this. I'm going to go go to the bar. And before you know it, three or four conversations deep at the bar, and then you're hooked up with whatever it is you need in the parking lot. And it's so easy to do. Right. And if you're a drug addict like me, I either have the neon sign on my head saying, I want some, or I got the radar going, doo, doo, doo. there it is. <laughs> um, yeah. You know what I mean? I, uh, I, I know of it. I never, uh, I never got into drugs past, uh, past weed. Uh, I never got into any other stuff, never. So I, I know it exists. I see, I, you can see it, but uh, I never, I never went down that path, man. I was, I was quite content with uh, drinking as much alcohol as humanly possible. Right. You know. But see, the, the, the alcohol, a lot of people don't realize because it's legal. It, it's just as bad as any of those. Oh God! So, as you know, I, I, you've seen it. In I the never news watched and... anyone die from weed poisoning, but I, <laughs> I watched, I watched somebody die from alcohol. Yeah, and uh, that wasn't pretty at all, dude. Mm -hmm um yeah not at all so anyway we got, got a little off track there didn't we um so you used a principle after your brother's uh tragic death you used a principle to stay sober how did that work what what was the principle that you used there because if you know bless him i i love my brother to death and and if anything happened to him boy that would be the easiest drink in the world for me right and so, i'll tell you those yeah, principles tell us that um man. so um Okay, so there's the principles I used, right, was faith. So they're they're numbered, right? Because there's 12 mm -hmm. steps, right? Of so course, there's yeah. 12. And at that time, because see, eight months prior to my brother, my sister passed away, right after I turned, oh, I think it was uh, 15, I want to say 13 or 14 years sober. No, 13. Mm -hmm. And then um, eight months later is when my brother would hang himself and, and lose his battle to addiction, right? Um, so at that time for me, it had to be the principle of faith and courage, right? Courage, the faith that God's going to take care of me or whatever the universe, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then the courage to do whatever I needed to do to help my family get through this. Right. Cause then at that time, my mom had just lost two children of hers, right. Mm -hmm. Within eight months of each other. And, and then, you know, she would pass away six months later on Thanksgiving day of all days, uh, of a broken heart, literally, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, so it was faith, courage, willingness, you know, being honest. So honesty, I used all 12, actually, if you right. want to be honest with me, and I'll give you all of them real quick. So honesty, hope, faith, courage, integrity, willingness, humility, brotherly love, justice, perseverance, spirituality, and service. So I've had to, I, at that time, had to incorporate all those, right? And then as recently as two years ago, you know, I lost a granddaughter oh, wow. and then my son, because of his poor choices and a drug addiction, almost died of a massive stroke. So again, those principles saved my butt, right? To, so one, I could be there for my wife and my stepdaughter and, and, and yeah. be there for my son. And you know what I mean? And service, look at that service. Yeah. Kind of well, service, you know, that's number one. I, that's yeah. one I live by the most. Right. And, and anything I do is how can I be of service to my fellow human being? And, um, if someone puts her hand out, you know, I always make sure that mine's there. So like, because for me, like it's not financial payment, 
at all, but service pays the most. It gives the most reward back to me. Um, and again, not financially, but more from a, a spiritual well-being place. The more I can do, and when things are bad, the more I can reach out and serve people, the easier it feels for me emotionally and spiritually to actually get through it myself, you know? Right. So... It, it's you know it's crazy and i apologize i'm uh yeah no, i guess there's a, i i had a flood downstairs right so i have a <laughs> tile guy i guess he's out there no one told me he was going to be here at this time so he's gonna have to wait well i can't i can't i can't hear him so we're good um, <laughs> yeah man the tile guy just uh he's just gonna have to wait <laughs> oh right. yeah so next time they need to tell me what's going on it's hey it's it's you know what with the way contractors are right now i'd just be grateful that he showed up i'd be grateful that you're getting your stuff fixed and i'd be grateful well, that, you know <laughs> yeah and he actually uh, does work for my son-in-law's dad my son uh son-in-law's father is a contractor mm -hmm. like a big so i trust so my son-in-law called this guy over i guess he does great work so if if there's any contractors out there that aren't absolutely killing it right now and uh, and you'll need help with stuff you should be killing it right now it's so hard <laughs> to find know, good contractors right. that you can just say right go go to town and get to work on this i don't know where they all went <laughs> like, right you'd think with google reviews you could find the good ones but uh anyway so uh yeah you help people around the planet find their fearless happiness one person at a time how would you define fearless happiness and uh, how would we go about finding that? Right. So for me, yeah. when I came up with the, uh, the title of my book, Fearless, um, it all started when I got sober, right? Like, you know, you did it. Yeah. I yeah. remember when I got sober and I got out of jail and instead of going to prison, I went to this sober living slash treatment, right? I mm -hmm. was scared shitless use my language that's okay right that's... right because you got to understand that nine years of my life was spent in active addiction that's all i knew was how to go to jail how to get out how to get high can i ask a question that's based on ignorance go for it like yes did did jail force sobriety or was it just as easy to drink and get drugs in there well in jail in the county jail right it's a little bit more difficult you still can get high we found ways to get high in there okay. the alcohol is hard but prison yes it's just as easy in prison as it, as it would be out on the streets right it's just more expensive in there of course because you're okay. going to pay um and for me it was it wasn't the threat of prison right because at the time when i got when i got sent to this place sam you know i was thinking to myself three hots in a cot i know how to do Mm -hmm. right like i've been doing this right like i know how to go to jail i know the routine i know how i get three square meals a day um all that good stuff right and um so when i went back out into the world going this judge says you know i'm going to send you to this place for a year but if you screw up one millimeter i'm going to send you to prison that was scary to me right because mm -hmm. i had never i hadn't been sobering for so long and um so when i came up with the uh the um the title of my book, right? I had talked to Chris Whitehead and we've had this long conversation about fearless, right? Are we ever going to be completely fearless? Probably not, mm -hmm. right? There's always some type of fear, right? Right, right. Um, you know, anything that's unknown or scary, right, is, is scary to us. But I came up with that because I knew that me, uh, if, if I could get clean and sober and stay clean and sober, that I, I know that anybody could do anybody could do it right or if it was any kind of challenge that if you just put your head down like we're taught right and do the work right 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 like without saying there's this thing that says this too shall pass i used to hate that sound oh, it's so true my, though. <laughs> it is right my mentor mm -hmm. my sponsor and my mentor max this too shall pass and i'd be like say that to me one more time and i'm gonna go to jail for beating up my sponsor you know what i mean but that um that phrase max that phrase can make you happy when you're sad but it can also make you sad when you're happy so remember the happy times because they too will pass right. you know it's exactly. such a good phrase yeah exactly and you know after a while like i said that that's what made me i wouldn't say become fearless but always trusting in the process that i would not be afraid to go through something new because it was unknown, you know what I mean? That I would right. do it despite my fear, um, like becoming a business owner, right? Um, that's scary to me because I've always worked for someone. I've always been that nine to five guy, right? Because I've been taught by my parents, I'm sure yeah, like yeah. you were, 
right? You get a job, you stay there for 30 years, you retire, blah, blah, blah. It, dude, yeah. you know, we grew up like poor. So my dad had a job, but when he wasn't at his job, he was at his side hustles and he would just take me hustling with him. Like, I mean, you know, like I had the paper route, I had the milk route. Um, yeah. We, I would go mow yards with him and paint houses with him on weekends. So I learned from my dad that having a job was just part of your income streams because we didn't have a choice man we had to go i hear you we had to go out and make it so how old were you when you when you took that leap and started your own business and what was that like from a perspective of somebody that's that's had addictions that's been in and out of jail and has never really been a hundred percent responsible for his own paycheck how was starting your own company scary Right. So, but I, I, at the suggestion of Chris Whitehead, so I was 51 when I joined Apex. That's almost two years ago now, or almost three years ago, two years ago. Right. So I was 51. So better late than never. Right. Did you feel bad? It took you, I joined at 39 and I was like, damn, it's took me 39 years to figure this out. (laughs) Right. You know, at first it did, Sam, but like you hear it from everybody in our group is like, don't compare ourselves to anybody else. Right. And I always believe that anything that happens happens right when it's supposed to. Right. Oh, so yeah. it was it was time for me to join. It was time for me to get out of my comfort zone and push myself even harder um, and, and to start something on my own. And, you know, what I mean is start something of my own, but I haven't had to do it alone, as you right, know. Right, thank right. God. Um, but it is scary. Right. So there was another fear. Right. Am I going to be successful? Because we always hear it. We hear it in post. We are we see it in post. Right. Well, most businesses close after the first, mm-hmm. you know, the <laughs> statistics and but, um, you know, but being a part of Apex. Right. And the group that we're a part of, it's good to know that there's always support there. Like if I have a question. Right. And, and the beauty of it is, is that we're connecting with people from all different yeah. types of backgrounds. Absolutely. You know, and for me, it's like recovery, right? I've connected mm-hmm. with people that normally I probably would have never, if I was drinking, drunk or doing drugs, yeah. they either would be like, I'm not messing with Max because I don't even want to deal with that guy. Or I'd be like, I don't even know you, so I'm not going to mm-hmm. deal with you. But um, it's really had to push me um, to be, I want to say courageous, right? Because I do have a family, right? I can't right. just, right? I do have my nine to five that that I'm passionate about. Don't get me wrong. But to, um, you know, have those big dreams that scare you, like, what if this fails? You know, you get all those questions. I don't have to tell you, you know what I mean? Like, if I fail, you know, I got a family, I got a home. But um, I'm glad, you know, that um, I joined Apex and and that I've learned to use those principles that I just told you about, Mm -hmm. even in my entrepreneurship, right? So that I can keep going and figuring this stuff out and, and not be afraid to ask for help when I need it. So that's what fearless has been for me and, and happiness the mm-hmm. reason i put a why right as you yeah. know and i know nothing outside of me is going to make me happy i already tried that right i tried the drugs i tried the alcohol i tried the girls like all that stuff when i really could truly take a look inside and and be happy with me mm-hmm. that's why i put the why that's what happiness means to me so that's what it means to me is to help people one person at a time realize that they have everything they need today to be great, right? They don't need to go, you know, to the bar. They don't need to put a drug in their system. If you think about it, the universe, God, whatever you want to call it, has given us everything we need. We just have to learn how to tap into it. So that's what I mean by fearless happiness and and helping people find their fearless happiness. I love it. I love it. And, and and as you talk about the power of the universe and you know, we could we could say in inverted commas God or whatever you want to call the the, the person right. responsible for creating this, it seems now that the older I get, the more I've discovered there's no rules. Whatever you want out of life, whatever you're passionate about, whatever your goals are, if you commit to them and pursue them one step at a time, one day at a time, you can literally do anything. Like the people that run the country put their trousers on the same way as you and I do, one leg at a time, you know? And once you start realizing that and being grateful for the things you've got, you can really just go anywhere in life. And um, 
part of my message is is now trying to get that out to people that you know what you can have a dream and you can go and get it and look at guys like max this former alcoholic that's now best-selling author and a business owner you know this is what i want this is the message i want to get out to the people that are listening you know there is future there is hope i don't know how many of my listeners are still in that phase most business owners go through it most young men go through it they get full of testosterone or as uh, as they like to say piss and vinegar and um they 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 get a little success they get a little weight they get a little alcoholism uh they get a little drug use and they by the time they're in their 30s they're they're overweight and they're miserable and they're stressed out and it, it's my job now to reach back and say hey guys there's there's a better way um, so that segues us <laughs> into tell me a little bit about the uh, tell me a little bit about the coaching program that you're putting together and what the future is going to hold over at uh, oh well I, I don't see your website here so I was going to say over at maxnace.com but uh, it's, yeah. it's coming it yeah. <laughs> should be ready in the next week or two actually I had to redo it because as you know you've heard Chris talk about his uh, best friend and business partner Lonnie who passed away of COVID this year mm-hmm. right that's he was one of my coaches and mentors and oh, okay. um, so when he passed away you know and then I lost my job last November I lost my website i lost everything so i'm like rebranding redoing everything which to me i think is going to be better than ever um so my coaching program so the people that i i I want to serve that are my that i think need it the most if if you think about it are those high performers executives or ceos and their families who are about to lose everything because right they're so on top of their you know, they've lost track of what got them to be so successful, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe they, like you said, the alcohol, right? Those, those 18 hour days, I need a little boost to keep me going. Yeah. And, See, they, only you know pay I mean? a, they only pay attention to the business part of life and they don't pay attention to the life part of it. And right. what I, I found happened to me personally is repeated. Like, it's just this pattern. You can see it and you get a little bit of success. You get a little bit of money. You start gaining weight business is stressful you start drinking a little bit more i'm going to work 18 hour days i'm going to leave my wife alone i'm going to not play with my kids i'm going to get this business right and then all of a sudden you wake up on your buddy's couch having lost everything you know it's uh, it's just one of those things exactly so, and you know as well because we you and i have been there we can lose it like that quick as fast as we get it we can lose it even quicker it took, it took under I mean? it took under two weeks for me to go right. from from happily just motoring along nicely retired to uh staying on my buddy's couch right right it was, it was that it was that fast yeah it took me a year to go from the white picket fence married with children you know uh family time to mm-hmm. the streets in like less than a year like i'm talking where mom kicks me out of the house i had nowhere to go i'm staying at all those seedy motels that you hear about on movies you know that stuff is true um, I, I've never, I've never tried one of those. Um, <laughs> yeah. So that, that's me. They're not, scary. <laughs> yeah, you don't, yeah. You don't want to go there. You know what I mean? I'm glad uh, that those days are over, but um, yeah. Um, just creating. So what I want, what I'm my, what I will do with them, as I told you, is the same thing that I've kind of gone through. Right. Cause we know that there's no one size fix all for recovery. Right. That's true. You yeah. found your path. Mm-hmm. I found my path. So my, my thing is to coach these executives, right, back into recovery, right, what, what was most important for them, let them find their way to, you know, what's going to work for them in their recovery, and then educating the family on how to best support that loved one mm-hmm. as they go through this journey in recovery, right, because sometimes the families are left out, you know what I mean? Like, okay, we got Sam here in treatment, we're going to work on him, but where's the family? And I have a big belief, like in the 13 years I've been as a substance abuse counselor, I always include the family, unless the client absolutely tells me no, because I got high with them, right? Or I drank with them. No, we're getting them involved, right? Because when usually when you involve the families, the chances of success go up. And, you know, you've got to look at that from the other way as well, because if you've got one partner that's trying to get sober and another partner that doesn't want to quit, that may end up in the dissolution of the relationship. 
I've yeah. had that happen. I've had, I've had clients where their parents got high with them and, and drank with them. Or like you said, the wife and the husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever, mm-hmm. did it together. And then when one was getting sober, the other one was trying to sabotage because yep. you know what I mean? So that's, that's what my program is going to entail. A lot of one-on-ones, right? A lot of giving them tools that they can use. If they want to go to meetings, okay, then I'm going to guide them towards meetings, whether it's AANA, right? And then Mm -hmm. that accountability, I'll be their accountability and their mindset coach to keep them going. And and then with the families too, you know, there's Al-Anon or or whatever they need and support, not only for themselves, but how to best support, you know, their, their husband or wife, whoever's going through the, 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 the abuse right now so when i owned uh my car dealership back in the day <clears throat> i had uh, a couple of kids working for me that had come out of jail and i don't know what program they were on it was something to do with staying sober and they would they would they would drill into these kids change the people change the places and change the things is there something that you teach that somebody that might be struggling with drinking listening now could take away and take the first step on getting to sobriety here's the here's the thing that i've learned over the years right and Mm -hmm. and in school and and getting my my credentials and all that right so like i can't say if that was you sam i can't say hey sam i think you're an alcoholic right i could as a friend right 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 but really like when you made that decision, you knew I had a problem, right? So I would, yes, I, would, I, I made the decision. I wouldn't hear it from anybody else. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And for instance, I have a good friend from high school that I know I've known all my life. I hear he's in the hospital because of his drinking. Like he can't even walk 25 feet without stumbling. Or he said, as he told his friends that his, it feels like all his organs are being stepped on, right? Because oh, of years of drinking. Yeah. So something I would tell, um, somebody you know if they were sitting with me i would say you know let's take a look at you know what got you here right and 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 then ask them i would here's the two questions i always ask to see if they're ready okay do you think you have a problem Mm -hmm. first and foremost right if they can answer yes then i'll ask the second question which means which goes like this are you willing to do anything about it Mm. right and if they say no to me they're not ready Right. But if they say, yeah, I'm done, I need to do something, then there's hope. Right. Then we can get started on the next step. And, and the problem with being ready is you will only become ready after you've had the most amount of pain you can possibly tolerate before it makes you go and look for a result. Because Absolutely. being being drunk is comfortable. Being high is comfortable and it's familiar and being sober is kind of scary. Can I do this by myself? Can I do this without this crutch? So until I've endured enough pain to where being drunk is causing me discomfort, I'm just going to stay comfortable and keep drinking. Absolutely. I don't know where that came from. (laughs) But but that's so true, Sam. That's like what my friend, he's been doing that since high school. And like, even now, my friends are telling my other buddies that are, are kind of trying to help him like myself. He's telling them, you know, like his best friend, Kevin, my friend, Kevin, he's like, He's in denial. Like he doesn't, he doesn't think he, he just thinks he's sick or something or right. And, but um, yeah, and that's how I would do it. And, and that's how I've done it for 18 years. You know, the guys I, I sponsor or, you know, at 13 years as a counselor, I'll ask them straight up and go like, how, do you think you got a problem? I've had people like in withdrawal, tell me, no, I don't have a problem. <sighs> I'm just sick, you know? And I'm just like, okay. Well, you're here. Thank God you're here. We're going to make you feel better and let's see what happens. And then I've had people answer those questions literally split and they're sober today, you know, because they were willing to do the work and and take a look at themselves. Withdrawal was just awful. It was awful. And for me going through that, I think it was just, it, it was knowing that stopping this is making me this sick. What would continuing it look like? You know, um, and but, you know, alcohol withdrawal, it's horrible. I don't, I don't recommend it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't recommend it either. I know, no. you know, I'm just like, no, but um, yeah, especially alcohol, you know, that's a medical detox. You need to be in a medical facility to help you with that one. So I just, I did it at the house and it was absolutely miserable. I made it about three days before the cold sweat started. 
and oh. it was like a full body fever and it lasted almost a week it was horrible it was absolutely yeah. awful i don't wish it on anybody but after i got through it well that was initial that was additional incentive to stay sober and be like well fuck i'm not having a drink i right. i just went through that so i could <laughs> so i could be sober i don't right. want to go through that again you know, right. so it's, it was withdrawal was actually one of the major catalysts for me staying sober because I didn't say I'm going to be sober. I didn't say I'm not going to have a drink again. I said, fuck, you've been drunk every weekend since you were 17. Like That's 20 years. You know, right. maybe I could just not have a drink today. Yeah. And then the next day I said, hey, wow, maybe. In fact, I woke up and I wasn't hung over. I'm like, oh, maybe I can not have a drink today. And by the time I got to day three, I'm like, I, I, bet, I better download an app and start tracking this. And it was right, right around the, the evening of day three, the a sleep overnight thing that I started to have the the full on sweats and the shakes yeah. and the fever. And uh, I was do not recommend it. But I, again, <laughs> no. it served as a great incentive to go. Well, you know what? I'll just I'll just stay sober for this month. And you know, the chances of me going home and sitting one Christmas Eve with my dad and having a sip of whiskey are incredibly high. I'm never gonna like take away from the the, the family tradition or, or whatever, but like one sip of whiskey, you know, once every two or three years isn't, yeah, I think that's me being in total control of drinking. You know, right. I'm, I'm okay with that, <laughs> I, I don't right. know. But I never said I wouldn't drink again. I just said, right. no, not today. And it's been not today now for four and a half years. And I'm, I'm very pleased right. about that. Congratulations, that's awesome. And this podcast about you, buddy, not about me. Let's get back on to Max. Yeah. About us. <laughs> yes. Okay, so what's the plan for 22 then? Because um, you are my first podcast of the year. It's the first Tuesday of the year. What are we going to get up to? What's what's Max Nace's plan for uh, total world domination in 22? Well, 2022 is definitely because I had back surgery um, last year, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm still kind of recovering eight, seven months later, but, um, my goal uh, health wise, right. Being the best and most of the version of myself physically, mentally in business mm -hmm. at home, right. Having my business take off, uh, hopefully this COVID stuff, we can start, you know, go out and speak, be on stages. Um, you know, but my number one plan has always been to help people, overcome their challenges and find their fearless happiness. And what that means is whether it's drugs or alcohol or anxiety, depression, or PTSD, to have people know that they can be happy with who they see in the mirror, right? And that, that they got everything. And I'm going to teach that everybody has whatever they need inside today to be great today. So that's my ultimate goal for 2022 um, to see you at the next apex live event <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. all my friends, you know, yeah, um, and, and just, just rock it and just have fun, you know, not take life so serious. Like, Oh my God, if I fail, that's it. I quit. You know what I mean? No, like, I, I totally get it. I totally get what get I'm it. saying is like I, I, to be successful, but to have fun doing it and, and to keep the promises I made to my wife and, and just have a good time this year. I think seeing you guys is, is kind of what makes it, it keeps me going. It keeps me energized. I love getting up to Dallas for the, uh, for the meetups. So, so yeah, I'm going to ask you a couple more questions. We've got a few more minutes sure. left. Um, Absolutely. With the exception, Mass, uh, Max, of your book, obviously, Fearless Happiness, um, what's one other good book you've read this last year that really stuck out to you that you think that my audience would uh, would benefit from reading? Oh, man, there are so many. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, we, as you know, we, we, our, our... we were talking about this earlier. <laughs> so many of our friends have written books. It's... Yeah, <laughs> you know, and doing 75 hard, which got me back into reading. You know, I've mm -hmm. read so many good books. Um Wow. Uh, well, it depends on what you want, right? If, if you like to read about someone who loves to put themselves through absolute, the worst pain possible and gets off on it, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins, right? There is like something that, missing in that boy's head. There <laughs> is something missing you, there. I'm like, the stuff he talks about, I'm dude, like, dude, you're crazy, man. You know what? Like, you know what happens if someone comes up to me and says, Hey, Sam, I bet you can't run a hundred miles. I'll go, you are right. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm not even going to argue with you. You know, I'll be on my chair over here while you go try. Um, um, but I've read, um, God, that, uh, man, so many, uh, the 75 hard book. I read relentless by, um, God, what's his name? He's a coach to like all uh, the elite. Tim, Tim Grover. 
Tim Grover, that, Relentless was really good. But one book, of my all-time favorites, Sam, if I can be honest with you, like I read again was The Four Agreements. I have not read that. Both Relentless and The Four Agreements are on my coffee table at home. And oh, I'm just, I have like, but then somebody else releases a book and then that ships from <laughs> Amazon. And like my reading pile is 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 so high right now. And I, I'm still reading 10 to 20 pages a day. Yeah, yeah. But, I, I um, you know, I read I read Chris Whitehead's book, you know, and becoming iconic, um, becoming yeah. iconic. Um, I want to say David Goggins' book uh, "Can't Hurt Me" is really, really good. Um, it's a great book with some great lessons. I wasn't trying to bash it. I'm just trying to say, I'm not the man to run a hundred miles after right. my toenails fall off. No, <laughs> I, exactly. And I'm with you know. I mean, he's very. I mean, when you read about what he went through, you're just like, okay, you know, like we understand that the human spirit is very powerful, oh, yeah. and that we, yeah. you know, we may not be a David Goggins, but you know, we have our challenges we've overcome, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. If we look back, we're like, yeah, we're pretty badass. But like you said, you know, like I'm not going to run until I'm peeing and pooping down my legs because I'm oh, just, everything's failing. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he... He definitely embraced the extreme side of that sport. Um, and right. you, I got to respect him for being able to do the things he does. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah. And the biggest thing I took away from his book is being comfortable, being uncomfortable. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of our credo in our group. You know, they, it's learn how to get uncomfortable. Dude, the problem the with happens. comfort zones, man, is they're just so nice. They're so enjoyable. And <laughs> right. I see like my, my personal trajectory has revolved around plateaus where I'll work really, really hard and I'll get to a level and then I'll plateau and be like, oh, I'm really comfortable here. And yeah. it takes a jolt. Um, I've just had one over the last couple of months, actually, because like 21 was one of my best years in business. And I've got just everything purring along. My machine is built. Things are good. And now I'm like kicking back for the last few weeks going, ah, things are good. And then really that was just a plateau. I, I've, I've discovered that I'm sitting inside of my new comfort zone. And then all of a sudden, if I want to get anything else out of life, I've got to go and get more uncomfortable than go and build from here. But right. um, good really is the enemy of great. Yeah. Because I could do nothing this year except podcast and post coffee pictures on the internet and comment <laughs> on people's threads. And I'd sell 25 or 30 houses purely through um, just organic marketing through referrals. And I have a wonderful life. And yet there's something in me that says, you know what? You need to get uncomfortable again and go and give a little bit more to this uh, this community and this life. So uh, some really good reads there, though, man. And uh, I have... Uh, I have Relentless and the Four uh, Agreements in my pile of books to read, so be sure and check those out. All right, two more questions. I've got to go for the cliche, Max. i got to go for the cliche sure. um, because I just like to ask it. Um, if you could go back and talk to Max from 30 years ago, if you could talk to 23-year-old Max or 23-year-old Sam, or any 23-year-old entrepreneur that's just really rolling up their sleeves and getting into it, what would you say is one fundamental piece of advice that you would love to share with some of the younger guys that are coming up? Uh, well, here's a problem. Like that, 20s, 30s, right? I don't know. You're my around my age, right? Like Dude, these I'm, millennials, I'm, man. I'm 41, man. Okay, so you're, uh, you're a kid. I'm still a kid, uh, I'm 53. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you know what I mean? Like I got kids that are in their 20s, right? And those yeah, millennials. But exactly. Crazy. Yeah. I, yeah. So what I would say to my younger self would be, you know, keep your head up. Yeah. Right. Because uh, keep your head up. Keep your. I, I heard a saying one time was keep your chest out and head up. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and always move forward. Right. And I had to learn that a lot of the time on my own until I got sober, where I finally got some mentors and and guys that taught me how to be a man. Right. If I could go back, that's what I would tell my younger self is like, don't let things get you down. Keep your head up, keep your chest out and one step in front of the other. Right. And, and keep yeah. moving and always uh, be honest with yourself because you know, before I got sober, I lied to myself. So, I mean, it was like, I believed everything I told myself, even if I knew it was a lie, you know what I mean? And I did the same around the people around me to the people around me. So my, my thing would be keep your head up, keep your chest out and always be honest. Isn't it amazing how much the world changes when you start being honest with yourself and actually saying, this isn't go. how I want to live. This isn't right. really right. Um, yep. I found that, um, 
there's far more fruit to be yielded from from being honest and being open and being upfront initially than there ever was by lying to to yourself to try to make you feel better you know right so exactly i can agree more <laughs> max dude this has been just the most wonderful little hour getting to know you my friend it's been a real blessing on me um thank you for sharing your message with me and with my audience um before we get off here do me a favor and let me know let everybody listening know where they can find you online and uh, where they can follow you and how they can get a copy of your book First, I want to say thank you, Sam. Thank you for allowing me to be your first guest of 2022. <laughs> I love Definitely it. honored. Um, it's been a great time. Yes, thank you so much. And it's good to get to know you better, too. Um, so you can find me on Facebook, Max Naist, M-A-X-N-I-J-S-T. Yeah, that's a tough one. Um, it, you looks can find like, me. it looks like Nijist, N-I-J-S-T. Exactly, right? And most, people, <laughs> most people pronounce it that way, but it's Dutch and it's pronounced Naist. Um, you can find me on Facebook. Um, you can find me on, uh, uh, Instagram, excuse me, as I am Max Naist. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter as I have today, which is I have, and then the number two day, mm -hmm. um, you can find my book on Amazon and, uh, be looking for my new website to be coming out shortly. Awesome. And the title of that book is Fearless Happiness, and that's happiness with a Y. Um, so, yeah, be sure, please, guys, and run on over to his socials. We'll put the links in the show notes down here. Uh, be sure and run on over there and uh, show Max some love. Max, it has been an absolute pleasure, my friend. I'm sure I'll see you in the next couple of weeks at the next live event. So, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to 2022. Thank you, sir, for coming on the show. Well, thank you. All right, guys, that was Max Naist. Uh, do, do me a favor, run over to his socials and show him some love. And as always, if you've gotten anything out of the show, if it made you laugh, if it made you cry, if it made you think, uh, do me a favor, uh, run over to iTunes, leave us a review and uh, hit that share button and uh, help to spread the word. All right, guys, I love you all. Have a wonderful week. And I will see you guys Friday for this week's episode of Friday Fire. Take care. This has been the Small Business Surgeon Podcast. If you've made it this far, you clearly like it. So go on iTunes and leave us a five-star review. This helps people find the show and spread the good word. Share with friends and follow us at Small Business Surgeon on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you for your follow-up next week. The Small Business Surgeon was recorded at Texas Media Foundry in historic downtown Bryan, Texas. Check them out at txfoundry.com or on social media at txfoundry. Thanks for tuning in.